All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Chris Adams with uh, whatever the hell we're calling this podcast now. Um, you can find us on the Podbean app. We're under Beyond the Blind. Um, if you tune into iTunes, somebody else has ripped off the name that I came up with a couple years ago in the past couple months. So I don't know if we're going to keep it called Beyond the Blind, so we're just calling it whatever the hell this is right now. Um, today I got Domingo Sanchez on the line and we're here and we're going to talk a little bit about some hunting and some call making and uh competition calling stuff like that what's going on domingo oh not a lot just actually just woke up from a post hunt nap just woke up from a nap at eight o'clock at night yeah well we we sat so Stephen moss is here uh i had a couple other buddies here in town so we just sat and sat we literally sat out in the marsh till about 1 30 and we we're like yeah let's pull the plug on this thing yeah, man, that's some commitment right there. Yeah. I mean, we're just hanging out, BS and whatnot. It was a pretty good time. I mean, we didn't shoot a ton of birds. It was really good last week, and this week it's just got really slow. The birds have gotten stale, being shot at. Is it How warm is it out there, dude? It is 70 degrees here in Missouri this last week. Yeah, it, it got really warm. It got to where it was pretty close to 70. I think it was like 67 or something like that one day. Dude, we that had makes it, that makes it rough. We had snows going north the other night. Yeah, there's probably forty thousand snows on our wetland here. That's so weird, man. So for anybody who doesn't know, go ahead and tell them where you're at. Um, central Kansas, a little town called Inman's, where I live right now. So I'm like an hour north of Wichita. Right on. So right there, where freaking all those honkers pour through the country. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't get them like we used to. I don't know if it's just not getting cold enough. They're not getting enough uh, snow up north. But we got into them a good a few years ago. Uh, it was really cold that year. I think there was like eight inches of ice out of the lake. So there's actually people ice fishing and stuff out there, which is kind of not normal. Yeah, not in Kansas. That's kind of weird. Oh. So you've been beating the crap out of them aside from, you know, this week, uh, I think you're one of the few guys, me and Michael were talking about it last week, I think you're one of the few guys that are beating the crap at him that's not in Oklahoma right now. Yeah, we had, a, we had a good run at him. I mean, I don't know if it was fresh birds or birds that were just trapped in the ice on the refuge, you know, that public. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty good little run. Yeah, that's crazy. So you're saying the recording paused for a second. I don't know why the heck it did, but uh, I think it was only a couple seconds. You said you shot 80 birds in like a week or so, which is yeah, five days. Crazy for everybody else, and you know the Midwest is just not seeing anything worth a damn. I think tomorrow we're gonna roll the dice on a local honker feed, and they've been burning us for two weeks, only feeding right after sunset, and. Uh, yeah pretty much tired of just not hunting so i'm gonna roll the dice and go in the morning anyway yeah sometimes you have to i mean you're like uh we might only fire a shot and that's probably gonna be at someone throwing up up a water bottle or something right i just need to get out there well the worst thing about it is it's like a 300 acre field and the roost is across the street Oh, yeah. So they get up, they fly around, they look at it, they come from all the other little tiny roosts, and then they go to this loaf, and it's like you just watch all these birds sitting there all day long, and it's like, man, I'm going to go blow this thing up. You know, every instinct I have as a hunter is to not go blow up this loaf or roost, you know, but it's like... I'm like a good last week of season. 
You know, that's traditional logic, but as bad as it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I'm almost to the point of not caring. Yeah. I feel it. That's that's like that's why when you had to have that good run, I mean it was kinda of hard not to say or to say no and just not go. It's just like uh, you know, after day like two or three in a row, you're like, Man, I'm tired. It's a, uh, I think it's like one point three mile walk in. Good so, lord, man. Yeah. Public land guys do it a whole lot different. Yeah, I mean, well, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, man, to get out there on the birds. Well, that's why you're one of the only ones killing us, cause you're putting in the effort and the time. I just, yeah. uh, I cannot find myself. Number one, I don't want to be sweating duck hunting. It's just ridiculous in yeah. almost January. Yeah, well, it was it was right there where it started to warm up, so it had been cold for I don't know a week, week and a half, and stuff iced up pretty well. Um, but then it got to where it was getting up into the low and mid forties for that week. And that's what really kind of set it off was, you know, those birds were just, I think they were getting antsy sitting in the water, you know, being trapped in whatever open hole they had on the refuge. So they, you know, it gets warm like that and they know stuff's going to start thawing. They want to mill around and find, find fresh new areas for food and stuff. That's kind of really what set the whole thing off was like just that little bit of warming trend. But then it got too warm, and we got almost up to 70, and the birds were acting almost like it was springtime. They scattered out everywhere, and that makes it rough. Well, yeah, especially when everything that's been, you know, starting to lock up is free, or, you know, thawed out, and there's just water yeah. everywhere. Yeah, and this other hitting all these little ponds and stuff. I think some might have pushed actually north up to, like, Nebraska and stuff, too. I don't know. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, man. We had a pretty good south winds over here in Missouri. Yeah. So, you've uh, you know, you make calls, you do the competition calling. Obviously, you're a hunter. Um, I guess let's start first at uh the competition calling cuz you know, you were doing that for quite a while before you ever started tinkering with calls, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, actually, I started, I probably blew my first contest when I was probably like 17 or 16 up at uh, Cabela's. So, I don't know what year that would have been, probably 2006 or seven. Something like that, a minute ago? Yeah, a few. Right. <laughs> uh, it makes me feel old thinking about it, but... Yeah. I know, man, I graduated in 06, and I know there's a lot of people that are listening, like, oh my god, these young guys graduating, but anytime I hear that, I'm like... Dude, that's been a long time. Yeah, so that's like what I think a lot of people, like, there's a misconception that just like, oh, Domingo woke up one day and he was good. No, I know. No, that's not at all. I just didn't compete a lot, so I'd, I'd go to, like, Cabela's and I'd call him, like, the state or something. And that's really it. I mean, you know, being a young kid, you know, not realizing. It's really not really expensive to travel, so a lot of people, like, don't realize. I mean, he's been three or four hundred bucks and get you a contest and pay your entry fees which isn't a crazy amount of money i mean you're having fun and having a good time that's all that really matters well yeah and you're kind of out there far enough that uh some of those major contests are you know quite a ways off yeah so like the closest one i think would be rogers and that's three hours generally most everything after that you gotta add another three yeah, so it's it's probably pretty hard, uh, you know, to get super involved. You know, because you see a lot of these other guys 
that are from, you know, like uh, Tennessee, that Kentucky, Tennessee, Illinois area where there are, you know, a big group of them or even eastern Missouri where it's like yeah. everybody in freaking, you know, 10 guys in a 50-mile square area are competition callers and some of the best in the world where yeah. uh, you're kind of out there where, you know, there's some really good ones out that direction, but it's it's spread out significantly more. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think if you were a contest caller, you wanted to do it. If you lived in, like, southern Missouri or northern Arkansas, it would be the place to be. Cause then you're literally probably within, like, four hours of everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when not, we were doing that... Not everything, obviously, but a lot of contests. Yeah, yeah. That's what made it really good when I was doing that live streaming was, yeah. you know, I, there was nothing in Springfield, but everything was, like, three hours away. Yeah. In any direction, you know, the biggest contest in the world, aside from Easton, we're all super close. So, you you got into that, and uh, who kind of got you into it, or is it just something that you saw, you know, yeah, online? Honestly, I didn't even duck hunt, like, I didn't even duck hunt until, like, around the same time, so I had some friends that duck hunted, and I just kind of watched those old R&T videos where they put, like, a segment of the worlds in it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. So, kind of what I, I was like, oh, I want to do that. So, uh, I did. Wasn't good at it for a long time. But, hey, you know, that's a uh, practice. I mean, we'll call people probably, like, people probably don't realize, like, I'm just sitting there in the blind, like, no birds around at all. I'm just, you know, just sitting there, feet chuckling, just kind of out of, I don't know, boredom. Just kind of playing around and practicing? Yeah. And I really practice and just blowing a call. I, I enjoy blowing a call. Yeah. It's probably it's probably more ADD than anything. <laughs> well, I think that's why most of us are duck hunters and not, you know, other types of hunting where yeah. you have to sit in a stand for 100 days a year and shoot one. one. Yeah, I like deer hunting too. I mean, there's, the thing about deer hunting though is it's more, uh, I don't know. Like duck hunting is good for hangout time but deer hunting is just good for you and your mind like you go out there you just try not to think about anything or worry about anything you just kind of you know can sit there and just kind of relax we're super stress free like it's a good way to unwind yeah the experience is just totally different it's uh just you and nature versus being out there with your friends and you know cutting up (laughs) right right doing what we love to do Duck hunting's like, uh, if you've never been duck hunting, especially with me, like, if you come and we don't make fun of you, we probably don't like you. <laughs> right. That's what yeah, I tell people. I'm like, if I don't talk to you, yeah, I don't like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, what, that's what's fun about duck hunting, though. So, you, you pick up those old R&T videos, and then you see a... Uh, part of it was stuck art and worlds in it and you're like hey i want to do this so like what was the step you just start practicing on your own or did you look up yeah, some routines on youtube or what yeah well yeah i kind of did the whole youtube thing and kind of just practiced uh back then the forums were a big deal you know you had the avery forums so it was a lot of like posting online and people were like yep you suck and i'm like ah, i'm trying <laughs> yeah you gotta have some thick skin man yeah you do i mean it's tough uh and the hardest thing is like i can tell a guy how to do something but like so i had a friend of mine come stay a week we kind of hunted and uh he was having ever trouble with his hails 
like at the very bottom, like last few notes, you get just like really flat sounding, kind of I don't know, kind of weird. So like he'd send me routines, and I'm like, man, I don't I don't know what to tell you. It's just it's the same. He's like, well, I'm trying to fix. It. I don't know what to do. So he ended up coming here and staying for like he actually stayed for like two weeks. Um, but I could hear him start to grunt at the bottom of his tails. I was like, that's your problem. Like, and it's one of those things where like. Unless I was in person, I can't hear that. You know, I could tell him what what's wrong, but I couldn't hear him grunting through a video or a sound file. Right. There's only so much you can show through the phone. Yeah, that's really. I mean, it's really tough. Like for callers, I think you know the. It, you just need. You, what you really need to do is find someone in your area that I think's a good. You know that the contest caller and see if they'd be willing to help you maybe once a week or once every other week just go and spend 30 minutes or an hour with them so who did you have somebody like that in your uh when you were coming up no no i didn't have well i didn't really have anyone close to me the closest people i knew that contest called was uh the nickums and they were three hours away yeah they're kansas city almost aren't they yeah yeah around the old life area yeah so that uh so you just sat there learning on your own yeah that's kind of why things like took so so long i mean like i said it's just really it's really really tough to learn on your own honestly the the how i learned to ring a call i like had no idea like you know you're like oh yeah i love duck calling it's cool everybody thinks they're way better when they start than they are then you realize like looking back you're like man i was hot trash (laughs) <laughs> but I, I learned to ring a call from Jim, Jimbo uh, Ronquist at one of the Avery deals. You know, they had those Avery uh, waterfowl days at Cabela's and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was out there talking with him. I had an MVP. I had a tune-it. And he told me. And, like, I was like, okay, well, I'll try that. So I did it. And, he, like, his eyes kind of lit up. And he was like, well, uh, I mean, wow, that just happened. You just did it perfect. I was like, okay, cool. I and you know, you you're, a lot of people are humming or grunting or whatever in the call, and you don't know what you're doing. So, I mean, most of the time, it, it takes a lot of time to figure out how to ring a call because a lot of people do that, you know, grunting into it real hard, and you can't really ring a call like that. Well, and I think that's one of the biggest problems with uh, a lot of the instructional, you know, the old school instructional CDs and DVDs and stuff where they're like, oh, say this word to mimic this sound. Yeah. When you're putting, you know, inflection into the call, you're, you know, you're just uh, crutching yourself, teaching a bad habit right there from the yeah. very beginning. Yeah, most of the people that I, like, try to help with that calling, they're like, you know, the first thing they start grunting to, I'm like, uh, yeah, just don't do that. <laughs> it's a really, really tough habit to break, and, yeah, you're kind of a crutch. I mean, you're just handcuffing yourself, really. Right, and it's something that, you know, if you do it, you're going to be able to kill ducks with, but you're never going to be in the competition yeah. scene doing it. Yeah, I mean, you can be, but, I mean, it's going to take you a long time. Like, it did me and Mumcher tons of other people, you know. It's just going to take you a long time to figure things out and learn. So, you start doing, uh, you know, some of the contests. You talk to Jimbo. What What was kind of that defining moment of hey like uh you know i'm pretty good <laughs> uh i don't know honestly like 
so I think it was 2016. I was at Rogers and I like I've placed I placed the uh, I think in the Open Rogers. I think a couple of years before I was like fifth or sixth or something like that. Um, but I was at Rogers and honestly I was like like man I can't figure this thing out like this where if I don't because I, I was still a novice I hadn't won any opens or anything so I was like if I don't win this novice contest like I'm just gonna hang it up I was like I, I just you know it's just really frustrating when you know you're like you're on the verge or whatever so I end up winning the novice and I was like alright that's pretty cool and that was the year they uh, before they took the regionals over so they had the regionals the same weekend in Independence Missouri yeah Bass Pro Yep, uh, and then, so I go over there, I think I blew in the open at Rogers, I don't know, I think I messed up or something, but I went over to go in the regionals, and I'd actually missed the Kansas State, and I was like, well, crap, here goes my chance to qualify, I was like, whatever, I'll jump in with uh, this regional, they had a one or two regional class, but I jumped in the first regional, and I actually ended up winning the game thing, um, which was pretty cool, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of good callers, I mean, it still is nothing probably like it, you know, the regionals there were, I don't know, whatever, 15 years ago, or whatever, the guys that they had like 70 callers, but I ended up like, the top three was me, David St. John, and Rob Evans, I mean, David St. John's world champion, I was like, geez. He had just won worlds like what, two years before that too, right? Yeah, I think so, something like that, but yeah, I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool, and then obviously I went on in 2016 to, uh, that's pretty cool. What was that experience like? Uh, I don't know. It's all kind of really surreal. So, you know, you're sitting back there, first year of Worlds, and I'm like, oh, I hope I make the second round. Okay, I made the second round. I hope I make the third round. Then they start calling all these guys' names, and they're like, I'm like, just what the heck? So then I ended up checking second to Bill Green. Um, I, uh, I had the outright lead in the first round and then the second round I don't know I don't think I made a mistake but uh, maybe the judges heard something that they didn't quite like from my first round and I followed to like fourth and then I jumped back up to second the third round yeah so that dude that's freaking crazy though because that was the same year that you won the uh, the regional in independence right yeah, yeah so you went from not winning a single novice contest to win in that contest to qualifying regional to finish in second in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, in a very short amount of time, from Rogers to freaking Worlds is what? Three and a half yeah. months? Four months? Yeah, something like that. That's got to be crazy. Yeah, it was. it was. Like I said, it was all, like, super surreal. I mean, do you... you know. Do you have, like, you know, uh, I've listened to a lot of other people talk about it, but it's called, like, imposter syndrome, where you're like, man, I'm eventually I'm going to get caught. Like, I, I'm not supposed yeah. to be here. Like, what is going on? They're going to find out at some point. Uh, yeah, I don't know, something like that. I mean, it was just, you know, like I said, it was just a surreal moment. You're just like, wow, I just almost won this thing. That's crazy. Yeah, and then you come back the next year and you finish third, proving yeah. that you belong at the top. Yeah. Like... It wasn't a fluke, you know? It's There is no imposter syndrome because, you know, you do belong there, but it's it's still just got to be crazy. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> I mean, well, you got go to most contests, and I always like. I usually place well. The last couple of years haven't been such a good run at like Rogers. I've been having been, I don't know. Seems like I've been able to call clean there for whatever reason. Uh, so, but so me and Trevor were tied for for uh, first in the first round this year and last year. Uh, I think I was either tied or was leading last year. So it's like a, if I could just call clean three times, I'd just be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> right? To have the ability to, you know, do, to be at the top, it just takes that three times. And, you know, that's yeah. a lot of that could be said for, you know, there's about 10 of you guys that are just really, really good that anybody any given day if they yeah. blow three clean, could go out there and do it. Yeah, for sure. So you, uh, you know, you go out there, you do this, this calling, and then you start tinkering around with some duck calls. So if that was in seventeen, you started tinkering with duck calls right after that. What the end of seventeen, early eighteen? Uh, I'm not even sure honestly. It might have been during the summer in sixteen. In sixteen? Yeah. Well. Because I started, yeah, I think that's probably about when it was. No, I guess it would have been 17 because, yeah, the year switched. That probably would have been like the summer of 17 I started thinking about that stuff. That's been a fun, fun, bumpy road. The bumpy road, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I, I remember seeing you first start pumping them out, and I was like, oh, great, another guy that's going to be putting out some crazy good calls. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what every good call maker says. Man, they're all right, I guess. Well, just every you gotta realize everybody has a little bit like different style than you know blowing a call. I know some people don't, you know, blow a call like me. Like, uh, I think one person that I haven't had any good feedback from was Trevor. I mean, he just they don't fit him at all, and you gotta realize that that's gonna happen. That's like the you and Mike were talking about the call maker comp competitions I mean it's you may like you may build a call that you love tons of other people love but you put it in that competition and those five guys don't like it no don't you know don't waste any you know thought over it I mean it feels probably a good call uh, but it should you know not for those guys yeah man it's a you know, those guys are always... People are just going to blow calls different. And uh, like you said, me and Mike were talking about it. And it's funny, you got a Shanahan. You just... I don't know why you can't get impressed by it, but dude, there's plenty of other people that have, you know, said... Yeah, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that happens with a lot of guys. I mean, yeah, so they don't fit him, but they, I mean, they fit me really well. I mean, he plays top five championships with the my call right exactly see there's there's nothing that you have to you don't have to justify your tone board and your design to anybody because you just went out there and proved it i mean yeah they're they're capable i mean they just like that they, like i've had people that, like uh so that uh brett edelman mm-hmm. that kid is crazy you know that call he uh i was at upper duck and i had him for a while and we blow 
pretty much the exact same style, you know, style of air or whatever. It's all comparable between me and him. And he, like, looks at me. He's like, you built this? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, dang, dude, I need one of these. I'm like, oh, I'm glad you like it, you know? <laughs> that's that's, that's going to be 50-50. Guys are going to either love your call or hate it. They're generally, or they're, they're going to shrug and be like, it's okay. And I mean, they probably don't like it a lot. Right, yeah, they just not want to be rude and tell you. And there's like I said, there's there's nothing wrong with that. And you've only been doing it two years. And you've already got, you know, a world championship quality tone board. But uh you're just gonna continue to progress and pretend to get you know, continue to get better. Yeah. So you uh you've taken on this moniker of the narwhal who who gave you that and kind of where did it come from so actually steven he's here i think he's still napping he's an old man but so i engraved like you know a little curl feather with my grimmel on some of my van and i never really looked at it like he did but i guess somehow he looked at it and he thought it looked like a narwhal which it really kind of does like if you look at him they look like the silhouette of a narwhal up a pin for the feather or whatever and it comes around and hooks and that hook kind of looks like the end of the tail coming around or whatever so I was like oh my gosh so that just yeah that just came from him he uh he commented on a post or something or sent me a DM and was like why are you putting the narwhal on that hole and I was like I looked up like the cartoon images and I was like oh my goodness that does look like the narwhal you're like what the hell are you talking about yeah pretty much <laughs> that's pretty freaking much. great well, it's perfect because Ronnie has the uh, unicorn, yeah. and you have the narwhal. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you start turning these things and uh, start having some really good feedback, some good success. And w- what was it like? You just recently went full time. Yeah. What was that? thought process you know going through weighing out all your options and kind of what you're doing what's it been like uh i don't know it's not i've been duck hunting a lot i haven't been making a lot of calls here recently but uh i just tell everybody i'm on christmas break (laughs) uh (laughs) yeah but i don't know it's uh, honestly like i was working part-time and kind of doing duck calls still help pay the bills so, yeah, I just felt like I was wasting my time going into a job, you know. It's 20 hours a week, but still, after you go, like, for five or six hours, it's like you get home and you feel like you've worked eight, you know. You're like, well, well yeah, five or six yeah, hours, might as well be eight. Yeah, I'm going to mow the yard and do this, and, and you're like, I want to relax. Next thing you know, it's 10 o'clock, his girlfriend gets off work, and then eat some dinner, and it just didn't leave me a lot of time. So, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I was like, it's really not worth it. That job wasn't paying it really anything. So you just, uh, what yeah, so what did the girlfriend say when you came home and you're like, I, I'm making the decision? I'm. Oh, I talked about it for a long time. So she was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> as long as the bills are paid, she doesn't care. <laughs> right. As long as you're bringing in orders, I'm good with it. Well, that's good. That's good to hear, man. It's a, it's a risky. It's always a, a like a scary endeavor to see a guy take that jump. Yeah, for sure. 
Because yeah, I mean, it's it'll take time, but you know. Oh, I'm not worried about you selling. I, I'm not worried about oh, that no. at all. I'm just talking about like getting things like squared away and everything, you know, right. Because it's I'm like such a like a mismanaged, unorganized person. I like, where's this tool at? I don't know. It's somewhere on one of these tables under a bunch of junk. <laughs> right. Well, that and then just you know when work be- when your passion becomes work. Yeah. You know that's always a scary thing. I. I did it full time for like God, nine, ten months when I uh, I was doing the show and I quit my other job to focus on that and was turning calls at the same time and I was just like I don't have time for anything and the last thing I want to do right now is go turn yeah. a call. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's uh, there's something I don't know. I don't know like what. I mean, obviously, money drives some people, and other people, it's just, like, pure passion. That's, like, duck hunting. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't, no, no knock on anybody. I get everybody busy and whatever. But, like, me, I'm super passionate about duck hunting. I mean, obviously, it's getting tough. You know, I'm getting older. It's not getting easier for me, especially public land. I mean, you know, where you're walking in a mile. But people, there's a lot of people that make calls that only hunt duck, like, you know, maybe four or five times a year. And like I said, that's not a knock on them, but for me, it's easy to get up and go duck hunting. It always has been. But, like, it's never super easy to just go make calls. Like, you know, like, I wish I had some of that crack Channing has, because I don't know what I... <laughs> that guy puts out a ton of calls. Yeah, dude, he's well. He has his CNC line too, and I know his pops was working on it with him for a while. But yeah, oh, yeah. that dude is constantly making calls. Mm-hmm. He's he's just a another kind of cat, dude. He yeah, gets like, up. I was, and, listening to, I was listening to his podcast, and he was like, "Yeah, I try not to spend over twelve hours out there." I'm like, "What? <laughs> what? I try not to spend." It's hard for me to put in like a solid six hours. I can do six hours pretty easily and not well, realize it, but after that, I start getting diminishing returns. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The thing I found too is you gotta take make sure to take breaks. So like, yeah, you can sit out there and be like, oh, I've only been out here for like three hours, but you gotta come inside, get a snack, you know, take thirty minutes, and then you know go back out. So yeah, your back starts hurting and. Yeah, man. Well, mine is I. You know, I'm still doing a full time job, so most of mine starts after nine p.m. And I'll look up, and it'll be midnight. I'll be like, man, I got about an hour's worth of stuff left to do. I'm gonna go ahead and knock it out since I'm already out here. I'm already dirty. You know, <laughs> might as well. And then I look up, and it's two thirty, two forty-five. I'm like, oh crap. It's easy once you get like kind of in the zone, or you or you you make yourself like a really good like a I don't know stopping point. You're like, okay, I've got to get all of these barrels finished. I want to get them all finished, all turned, and then yeah, it's pretty easy to be able to okay, I got another hour turning these five barrels or however many, and then yeah, you get to that point. You're like, oh okay, yeah, first off. Yeah, so you guys are out here doing this assembly line stuff that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I don't know if it helps or if it hurts. <laughs> Why would it hurt? 
hard to focus. So yeah. You have, like, eight calls. I mean, you almost feel like there's not much progress. So unless you're just, like, out there making all eight of them, you know, just with, I don't know, just chewing up two days or whatever, you feel like you kind of, it's, it's almost like standstill. You know, you're making progress, but it almost feels like a standstill because you haven't made anything that quacks. Yeah, you haven't cut and tuned anything yet, and it's been three days. Yeah. Yeah, that's understandable. It. Uh, I don't know. You you use a metal lathe, don't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh God. See, that is my. When people are like, "Oh, I run this assembly line. I don't have a metal lathe," so I'm like, "I, I've done it. I've done assembly line on like four or five calls at a time." And let me tell you, dude, turning the tenons down is yeah. my least favorite part. Yeah. It. It takes forever, especially yeah. if you're doing freaking tips and inserts and, yeah. dude, it it drives me insane. Yeah, yeah. I watched a video of uh. Worry about like, like oh crap! I turned it just a little too much. Now there's like twenty thousand swap and it's gonna leave a gap. You're like, uh, eh, no. It's pretty much exactly where I want it to be. Right, and it's quick. I watched Will do one in like freaking 30 seconds. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I got it. It's a huge investment, and it's one of the best things you can probably do. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's a lot of guys that don't use them. They're like, oh, my God. I mean, they pay for themselves probably within like the first month. Yeah. Yeah, I freaking believe it, man. Um, so tell me about this mullet. Yeah, it took on a life of its own for a while, like all calling season. Oh yeah, I did that. Uh, I did that funny video. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, man. Was it just like, hey, I'm tired of cutting my hair for a while, and then it got to a point, it was like, I'm gonna make it into a mullet, or was it? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, it uh, wasn't. No, I pretty much honestly, I only cut my hair like once a year. I mean, that probably sounds like insane for some people, but I don't know. That's crazy. I cut mine every two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Some people are like, "Yeah, I gotta cut mine once a week." So I'm like, "Yeah, every two or every year." I'm just like, "Yeah, I mean, right now it's it's down. My bangs are down to my like my top lip. It's probably about time to cut it, but um, <laughs> I just kind of want to let it go." Yeah, wait until after duck season. Well, I don't know. Maybe past that. Maybe next duck season. Nah, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> that's too much. I wake up. You wake up with your hair going every which direction. Yeah, it, uh, I mean that's the, that's always the deciding factor. Like it starts getting aggravating. It's like, oh my gosh, it's up to my face, you know. So actually, like it'll get long enough. It's long enough now. Like uh, some of it sometimes will get caught under like my gun pad, <laughs> and I'll shoot, and it just oh, it hurts so bad. <laughs> Dude, I uh, I always kept like five to six months worth of beard for i don't know two or three years and i got so tired of waking up and it going every which direction that now i pretty much keep it like stubble length yeah it just drove me nuts yeah i mean that's the thing about that just longer hair too it's like yeah i'm sleeping sometimes it'll be in my face i'm just like i don't know how girls do this <laughs> right well that's the best is when you go to bed at night with a you know the girlfriend and 
you got hair in your face and you're like, will you quit moving around so I can smooth your hair down and come yeah. breathe while I'm sleeping? Yeah. I can your hair down. Yeah, it's just part of the nightly routine, man. Yeah. So, uh, Grossman wanted to ask me why you keep a, a loose shift or stick at the Waffle House or something like that. Do you have any idea what he's talking about? I don't know. No, I don't think anybody ever knows what you're talking about. He's crazy, man. Dude, but he's such a character. Yeah, he's always entertaining. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, he's you're just one of those rare oddities, you know. It's just Mark. Everybody's like, he knows Mark. Well, yeah, and speaking of bedhead, you know, <laughs> I think every yeah. video he makes, he purposely has bedhead. Yeah. He's a really good guy, though. Yo, dude, yeah. He's he's definitely one of the ones that I like. And he's always done, seemed to do everybody right when there's always a... Yeah, for sure. ...a goofy yeah. situation on the forums. Yeah. So, uh, did you get any of these calls in the contest this year? No. Uh, I really didn't. I just... Seemed like I was always behind the ball this year. That's another reason for the... You know, transition to full time. Like maybe I can actually get them focused. Which now, I mean, got to be people and probably not that time to do it. But uh, yeah, that's always feel like you're. I guess that you know, busy working. And you're like, ah, oh, it's hot. I don't feel like doing the garage and working on that. Yeah, during the summer, man, it's it's miserable to try to mess around with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, unless you got, well, I, I enclosed some of my garage, that way I wouldn't have to try to cool the, have that oversized two car garage, so. Yeah, yeah, I saw that you'd, uh, sectioned off the shop. Yeah, and honestly, that, like, stalled out. <laughs> so I have, still have to finish the ceiling. <laughs> Bro, you've got... Way too many different things going at once. I really do. Like, I traveled a lot. That's, that was a big one. I like it. It's really that one. I don't think people realize that. No. It's like you feel like you get home. You need like three days to kind of unload and rewind. Like, you know, take a break. Unwind. Well, yeah, dude. I can imagine with the the different calling competitions and stuff and being on the road and constantly practicing and then trying to run your own business and you know it's still we're working a job at that it's just a lot of stuff going on yeah it really is it's just yeah a little bit happy. i mean i think i was i was gone about every other weekend for four months it seemed like do you do you feel like that's affected how you feel about it overall what do you mean uh, yeah, the competition calling. Do you still love it, or is it starting oh, to wear on I you? No, it's. I mean, it's tough. Like, so you have to justify like going to some of them. So, like, I mean, Ethan, it probably cost me three or four grand to get out there. And like, if you, if I would have won the world live death, that would have been like break even. But I mean, we. We did spend some extra time there just to, you know, take in the environment and stuff. So, I mean, 
mean, part of that is, you know, we stayed there, I think, from Tuesday till Sunday. So, I mean, that's a lot of hotel money right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, most things I, okay, let's say I go and I <clears throat> play stop by, and I mean, I actually play stop by this year, and I got a hundred bucks back. It's like, oh, yay. I only am in the hole $2,900 now. Yeah, yeah, dude, freaking the money makes a big difference, especially, it's it's always tough, Teddy always wanted me to go out to Easton, you know, the last couple of years, and I was like, dude, it is just so far away from the Midwest, like, yeah. It, it's, yeah, and I used to live out there, like, three hours south, and I was like, man, even if I, I stay with buddies, and I drive a bunch of hours every day, I was like, it's still just, man, it's a pain in the butt. Four hundred dollars in what? Entries. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, you're easily looking at like three grand if you go there and blow in, you know, multiple events. Yeah, dude, right. that's and that's crazy. And maybe have a chance to take, you know, get some some of it back. Yeah, which I mean, that's kind of a rough thing. Yeah. Uh, that's like a, that's like why uh, on the fence whether you go back because I mean, like that is a fun time. I want to go back. But if I do, I'm probably going to be a lot cheaper. I want to find uh, probably, you know, four or five guys to Airbnb with and keep the cost down. I love looking at some of those. And it seems like they got some pretty good deals on there that are like five bedroom places. Or, you know, you and, you know, just basically you bring you and four other people, you know, pay per room. Well, yeah, it's almost like you have to look at it more like a, uh, a vacation that you're happen to call yeah. you're spending two days calling and hoping to pay for a little bit of it but you're almost going out there as more of a vacation and maybe getting a couple yeah. hunts in yeah that's what we did i mean i went and shot some scoters and that was a lot of fun had you ever gone you guys went out of layout boats didn't you no we hunted off the back of like a, I don't know, a little crab boat or whatever it's really odd yeah have you ever done anything like that Dude, it's, I've heard that stuff is crazy out there. Yeah. Freaking fall in and, yeah, you're done. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't do the layout boat. Dude, the, yeah, the, uh, you couldn't get me in a layout boat. I was in the Navy, and you're not putting me in a damn layout boat in waders in the freaking middle of winter. Yeah. Just equals Flash disaster. Yeah, flashback to boot camp. Yeah, man, I I grew up swimming. You know, I'm from Missouri. There's water everywhere, but uh, in the Navy they teach you if you fall overboard on in the freaking Navy, you're probably gonna die. Yeah. So it's a. Uh... Do what? Hypothermia is a thing, Uh, yeah, hypothermia, man. You can well, hell, the people in the Titanic died in 15 minutes. So it's crazy, and it takes a long time for boats to turn around. And if you happen yeah. to catch any water or anything like that, it's just—it's crazy. It's always—it's always dangerous. There was that kid, uh, 
I don't know, like three weeks ago that was up in Michigan or something like that that went down trying to swim after his boat that freaking uh, got loose. Yeah. And it was drifting or something like that. Undo that be like, well, I guess we'll find someone else with a boat. Yeah, yeah, that that one's gone. I'm not swimming after it, and it's it's deceiving, man. We went out. God, it was like one of my second, third years hunting, and uh, it's pretty rare. You don't get me in a boat very often. I'm just not a big fan of them. And uh, we were out, and we were just retrieving a cripple, and jumped in the boat, and got out in the middle of the lake, and I was with my buddy, motoring, and he had the gun in the front, and he freaking stood up. And, you know, started moving around, and I was like, dude, we are in the middle of the lake. Sit your ass down. Like, you're going to tip us. Yeah. We're going to die. But, totally uh, I mean, that stuff's really sketchy. I mean, it can be. You just got to be really smart about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've definitely gone from point A to point B in a boat and done different things. It's just, if there's places that I can put in a little bit more effort and not have to do it, I always do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and losing uh, losing your decoys and your guns and all that stuff is the best case scenario. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really not best case scenario, and you get there without anything. Well, you know what I mean, but if if your boat swamps and you're all still alive, like, psh, you're lucky. But that's just you know one of those things. Being a little bit smarter, make two trips. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Show up 30 minutes earlier. It might take a little bit longer, but, you know, it's significantly safer. Yeah, for sure. It's freaking crazy, man. Oh, did you get, you have a good Christmas? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we didn't do a lot. I, I don't know. We're just really content in life right now. Like, I didn't even want anything. Girlfriend's like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I make everything I want now. <laughs> Yeah, but that's a, that's a good place to be in, man. It's always, that's kind of the same way, man. It's always like, hey, what do you want? What do you want? I'm like, I, I pretty much buy anything I want if I want it, or I'm too cheap yeah. to buy anything. So, <laughs> like, don't please don't spend money on me. Yeah, well, I mean, you always have the ones. You're like, uh, you want to buy me a new suit, though? Yeah, uh, you want to get me a new metal lathe? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're like, oh, I 
See, that one would maybe almost be realistic for the boats just like out there and go, but granted, metal aid yeah right you better go down to the corner and make some money yeah i ain't buying no metal aid in these days i got three kids <laughs> yeah yeah like five or six hundred bucks yeah right i could sell a kid for probably that much there you go <laughs> are you guys getting up and going hunting in the morning again yeah maybe maybe does. maybe Stephen sleeps straight through the morning i don't know damn Yeah, that's freaking crazy, man. Uh, did you not see anything to make it really worthwhile? Uh, Aside from, you know, the camaraderie? Yeah, well, so, I mean, I smacked him around here, like, I don't know. That was last weekend. So, I mean, they've gotten to the point where they're pretty stale now, though. You know, they're staying up high. You know, we had a couple different groups. They, they literally made, like, eight passes. Just stayed, you know, eight and yeah. Yeah, just sitting there doing that spinning crap. Yeah. Uh, we, we shot uh, two lessers, a speck, and five mallards. That's the, better than a lot of days I've been hunting. Yeah, I mean, but we're also out there till like one. Yeah, that's crazy. I I don't have it in me. If it hits nine a.m., I'm like, are you guys ready to go get a uh, ready to go get some breakfast? Oh yeah, and you know there's a lot of freaking mallards shot after 9 a.m. Yeah, you gotta, well, you gotta know kind of the weather pattern, like I said. Whenever it's getting warm, like uh, the last week when we were doing really good, so I mean everything was froze up. We went out and busted a hole, and it was probably two and a half inches of ice. So, I mean, it'd been cold for a while, uh, but you know the birds were wanting to sit on the water until. They didn't start flying good until about 10.30. Yeah, the sun has to get up and warm up that water so they can get up yeah. and move. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of what happens. I think they're they're afraid that the hole that they have open is going to freeze, so they just want to stick around until the middle of the day and it's warmer and you don't really have to worry about it freezing on them. Absolutely, man. I, I would take, I would hunt until 11 o'clock if we had birds here. We it's like there's no birds anywhere right now, really. Except Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah Dude. Been pretty steady on them all year. God bless you. That place is just beating them out. And I'm sure every Oklahoma, Oklahomian, Oklahoman. Uh, Oki. Yeah, I'm sure every Oki is just absolutely hating that we mention it almost every podcast. But yeah, they're the only ones doing it, man. Yeah. Well, it's such a weird year, so uh, just to, like how things set up this year for us. I think it was like early November. Uh, what? Day? Yeah, early November. I was watching bird numbers that shine bottom. And so they had like, we poured like five to 10,000 bucks, which is a fair amount. And then a few days after that, like the cold weather was moving in. So they made like jumping 10 to 20,000. And they got to where that cold for all the same. Jumping 20 to 30,000 bucks. Next day is when the front really got here. It was dropped into the single digits like for a day, and then the next day was still in the teens or something like that. So it froze over that whole thing. We went from thirty thousand ducks to twenty five hundred. Jesus. So that pushed all the ducks out. I mean, that they, they basically just pushed them straight through. No, oh, yeah, they never had time to stop here. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, uh, you guys are usually, I don't know, a couple weeks ahead of us over here. And by mid to late December is when we really start seeing mallards come in. And I mean, it's <laughs> absolutely nothing, dude. Well, I think you guys have like purely mallards. You have um, a random ducks. I mean, over, not, not in Southwest Missouri, Southwest Missouri, man, um, you're going to kill you some gaddies. You're going to kill you some mallards. And uh, occasional green wing. I mean, of course you'll have your couple random divers here and there. But, uh, man, if we're killing ducks, it's a 99% chance that it's going to be a mallard or a gadwall. Yeah, seeing that, like, early October through mid-November, I mean, you're going to kill a bit of everything. I mean, you'll go to Cheyenne Bombs, which is a huge, huge, I think, like 20,000 acres. Um, but you can kill a redhead, a canvas pack, any, pretty much any kind of diver out there, uh, a teal, shoveler, animal, which you name it, you can kill it out there at most. But that's like, you know, you hear a lot of guys, oh man, I wish I could kill a female. It's like, I wish I could kill more than just one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke, right? Those guys that are out in Cali that can only shoot one or two in the Western this year or something like that, when there always have been a three-bird flyway out there. Yeah. Well, that's Maryland. That stuff's gotten crazy. One goose and two mallards on the coastal stuff. Yeah, I was talking to Trevor about that the other day, and he said he likes it. And I was like, dude, that's crazy to do that much work and effort for freaking one bird a person. You probably just see the hunter decline of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're definitely going to see some hunters decline if they can only shoot one dang bird. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's no birds around this year. And it's my desire to go out every morning is I'm I'm laughing at myself for going in the morning because I know that they're going to wait and feed until five minutes after sunset tomorrow night. Yeah. But well, it's. I don't know how it's there, but here it's overcast. Yeah, that's why I have a little bit of hope, but they're local birds, too. They're just, they do freaking finicky crap. Yeah, they do what they want. Yeah, they don't follow. Man, we uh we hunted the same field probably three weeks ago. The morning before, there was 350 honkers in it. Fed, you know, almost exact same conditions the next day. And uh, the two groups that we actually had work us... We're landing freaking with the wind, not against the damn wind, and then the rest of them never even got up and moved. I was like, what in the hell? Yeah, they probably just walked up into some grass or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can see them on the pond from there. They bounced up out of the freaking water, but the landing with the wind was the craziest damn thing I've ever seen. I was like, this stupid locals. I'll tell you Super, super aggressive on the beef call. And I had like 15 or 20 ducks, like up high, and a single. The single literally, like, you see them kind of just open their wings and they kind of put their wings back and they just float kind of down. The single did that, but he did it for like 150 yards. <laughs> it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like, I've seen, the only other bird I've seen do something like that with lesser. 
two live birds. He's coming down on live bird. You're just back flat for like 100 yards straight down. Yeah, that's freaking goofy, dude. But yeah, that, that duck just like literally came straight down. I was like, what in the world? I had a video I posted it. It's like not a great video, but you kind of see that that duck just he's out for me. Like almost like he was trying to land in between some freaking trees. Yeah, it really was. I mean, if the trees were redwoods. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Straight up and down, he's landing in the middle of a damn redwood forest. Yeah, it's crazy, man. We uh we hunted last weekend and had a pretty good feed that we had scouted. And uh, we had birds that aren't even our locals. I think we had a random, random group of migrators come through. And uh, they were super small. I mean, they were probably 60%. The whole f- We ended up killing eight or nine out of the group. And every one of them was super small compared to our local honkers. Yeah. And these suckers, I mean, they're maple leafing from, you know, doing the flips and all that crap like snow geese. My favorite thing to see. I'm like, oh, yeah. As soon as they start doing that, it is game on. And uh, got to that 40 yards out right about where we're getting ready to, you know, do it, but got a little greedy. And then they try to land like 100 yards out. It was like... Yeah. And they do that and then they pump the brakes and you're like what the heck yeah it's like you idiots are flipping you guys were freaking dead to rights and then you're gonna change your mind at the last minute yep. freaking morons man so I'm sure I'll have another story like that for the morning oh good luck <laughs> alright brother well we're uh we're hitting about an hour now so I think it's a good place to uh to call it quits but uh Dude, it's been fun, and, uh, you know, yeah, I think... Do what? Dude, you get lost. That's what I love about these podcasts, is you kind of just get lost in the conversation, and uh, you don't even realize it, and then all of a sudden, look up at the phone, you know, to make sure everything's still recording good, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's been an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. I I I like it. It's uh it's different. You can throw it on when you're doing other stuff, and you don't have to have your phone in front of you looking at it and like the video and stuff like that. So I don't know. People have given us really good feedback, and nobody's gotten their feelings hurt yet. So that's always good. Yeah, yet. Yet, most definitely. Well, you know me, man. I speak my mind, so. Well, a lot of a lot of people speak their mind, but they're afraid to do it in public. Yeah. <laughs> they talk a bunch of mad shit behind closed doors, but out in public, they act like well, they're. I mean, I like certain issues. So, uh, like uh, so, like the whole. I mean, I listen to the Channing one. The Channing is pretty easy. Uh, harder right now because he's So, like the whole like shape it. Like some people got super heated on that. Like, one way or the other and like as the call maker most of the time you gotta try to stay like in the middle like just cause you don't you don't wanna like rub a bunch of people the wrong way you know it's like you gotta be your uh what is that you don't wanna have to do damage control if you put your foot in your mouth oh yeah well I don't know man it's uh are you talking about as like somebody talking with your shape, or just talking about the sh- the no, shape I'm argument in general? Just people talking about 
anything call making related in general. Like, you know, there's a lot of people that are really strongly opinionated on stuff one way or the other. And then some guys are just really, really vocal. And you're just going to get in there and just be like, hey, man, like, I know you think this and you think that's right or that's wrong, but uh, hey, I will, you know, I've done this and, or whatever. I've seen this. And, you know, you want, you want to set some guys straight on some things because, you know, some of them, like I said, they just think they know or whatever. But, I mean, you've always got to kind of try to stay kind of neutral a little bit just because you don't want to have bad publicity basically when it boils down to you. It doesn't matter what the topic is. A lot of these guys, for whatever reason, are just super, like, opinionated. Yeah, half of them are opinionated one way, half or the other way. Well, yeah, it's like we were talking about, you know, everybody is either left or right, up or fucking down. Yeah. And everybody wants to fight about it. And it's okay to have your opinion and your thought, but it's, it's, I don't know, people just want to get pissed off about everything. And it's, it's just. People just need to be open to, like, you know, other points of view realize there's not a right or wrong there's uh you know there's middle ground well yeah and i think that's uh where stuff like this where it's conversation makes a huge difference it's kind of like you know where me and michael were talking about the uh call making competitions and uh we were just talking about judging and stuff like that and he was like well remember when we were live streaming that and i grabbed one and then will grabbed it and i could run it really good and he couldn't run it nearly as well because of the way that he blows a call I was like, man, you know, I've never even really thought about it exactly like that. I've thought about, you know, people run calls different ways, but to see it go from one person to the next person's hand within, like, 20 seconds, you really get that, hey, how different these people run calls. So it's, I don't know, it's just kind of cool, and I think the conversation, and say, like, even you or I don't agree on a specific subject, you can talk through it, and when people hear, like, different points of view and different arguments for this and that, I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah, it is, but, I mean, the, the main thing, like, I, you, get, you do get a lot of people who are really, like, outspoken one way, like, I don't know. Like, some guys just, like, jump on barrel stoppers. I mean, just let them do their thing, yeah, try to point them in the right direction. But some guys just, like, stomp on them. You know, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I mean... They feel bad for some of the poor guys. Like, and it's not just barrel stuffing that people jump on stuff. Call flippers. I mean, which that's kind of a sensitive subject too. But <laughs> right. Stuff where like you know, guys just like you know, they're really like give it to some people. And you're just like, hey man. <laughs> it's it's like I was talking about uh talking about with Channing or Michael. I don't fucking I don't remember. Um, that mob mentality, man. Yeah, that's what. It is. It is a freaking mob mentality. One person wants to say it, then everybody jumps on it. I mean, it's just like you see out in the streets when somebody gets mad about something, and then all of a sudden, you know, a thousand people are rioting. And you're like, you take any of these individual people, and they're probably not going to be throwing bricks through businesses and, you know, setting fires, but you take a thousand of them, and they all have the same idea. People go crazy. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy, man. And then, you know, I watch it in different communities, you know, hunting-wise, calling-wise. And it's like, you'll have one person, and they'll just be getting ragged on by everybody. And there's one person in particular that I think I know you're talking, you know, you know I'm talking about. 
and they just get bagged on by freaking everybody. And you know, sometimes they might deserve it, they might not. But yeah. to watch a constant state of trying to downplay everything and just watch people jump in that mob mentality. And it's like, dude, you know this makes everybody else look yeah. bad, right? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, you know, sometimes, like, as a call maker, you want to jump in and, you know, be like, hey, man, you know, you're not necessarily right, they're not necessarily right or whatever, you know. But you, at the same time, you don't want to just, like, people be like, oh, this guy, this guy's a whore and says stupid because he's standing up with this other guy, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, you do. It's kind of like being out in downtown drinking or something like that, and you see some idiots getting yeah, in a fight. And you don't want to jump in. Yeah, you're like, I'm just going to walk away from this crap. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You're like, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I might video it. I don't know. You have <laughs> Yeah, because if you jump in, then all of a sudden you're in trouble, you know, as far as like an online bagging. And it's just, it's tough, man, because those guys get super discouraged and they're going to end up just quitting or they're going to be like, oh, this guy's... Because you never forget. Yeah. Like, if you have anybody jump on you like that and the people that are negative, you never forget and you hold a grudge against them. And they might be the nicest guy in the world, but guess what? They freaking were jumping on you that time so they can go to hell. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's definitely something that uh people need to think about. And I don't know. It's the group. The groups are just... They're good and they're bad. Yeah, I mean, I think they're mainly good, but like, yeah, like I said, I mean, you just see some where it's really bad. You're like, oh my gosh, guys, settle down. Yep, yep. People want to burn them at the stake, but you know, the for the meetups and meeting new call makers and meeting new friends and stuff like that, it's okay. it's definitely a good thing. But it's pe- worth its weight and gold there. Pe- people just have to keep themselves in check. You know, I thought, I don't know, like, the meeting new people, like, I'm the worst about that, and I, I don't even realize it just because I'm, like, a really reserved person. So this is something that people should know. Like, if I don't go out of my way to talk to you, I'm, I'm sorry, you know? <laughs> like, I just, like, I'm just, like, a really chill person that just, like, I don't know. Content you- to hang out by myself. I don't, you know. But yeah, you're a pretty quiet, easygoing yeah. guy. You get guys who are really like outgoing, you know, for they inject themselves into conversations, and I'm just like, I don't know, I'm chilling. Dude, I people watcher. I'm a super people watcher. Oh yeah. It's it's bad. Like I always try to do this different stuff that does interject me into stuff, but. If I am out, or like me and my girl are out, like having drinks or stuff, weird. I, I just I enjoy watching people <laughs> and oh, yeah. just how ridiculous if, it is. If you want to talk to me, if you want to get me talking, you're like six or eight years in me. I will, I, I won't shut up. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I thought you were quiet. What happened to this? <laughs> Alcohol. <laughs> well, buddy. Um. I think we'll call it call it quits, and uh, if you have if you want to do it again, we'll do it again. We'll let people know and make sure. Uh, that... Yeah, let's do it again. I say do it again, and I don't know, get a few other guys in here or whatever. We can do it again. Uh, actually, going to uh, Salt Lake City in February, maybe after that. That's always a fun contest. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely see how it goes. And, uh, you know, kind of, you'll be a couple months. On that note, do I am going to be trying to blow my own Main Street call. I don't know how long it'll go, but we'll do that. That was definitely a question I was going to ask you, and I totally forgot about it. Was, uh, are you you're going to be going to your own tone board, huh? Uh, I have one that I think is pretty good. I want to get a jig, but I don't, the way, you know, him being, and he's like, I didn't know. I figured maybe it was a really slow time for him. I'm like, hey, I had a call. I want jigs. Yeah. You think he would have it back that February? He's like, uh, it's before the fifth week. I want that then. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, is everybody really duck hunting and not sending out, like, sending stuff? Like, is it really slow time of the year? I don't know. But I was just like, oh, okay. You know me, man. I, I've never even dealt with it. I. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I got one back from him in, like, three weeks or is really really quick and then another one took like eight weeks eight holy cow dude that i mean that's not bad but yeah february you're cutting it close at that point yeah so I'm just like, eh, i'll just wait yeah i'll just uh just keep it and run it and see how it does yeah <laughs> all right buddy um we'll go ahead and finish thing this thing up man like i said i appreciate you coming on